Oh. How's your whiskey journey going, Django? Going okay. The second video that I watched last night. Uh huh. I can hate that guy. Yeah. Those yeah. videos are trash. It's wish... a three minute video with a minute and a half of advertising yeah. and telling you to like and subscribe about nine seconds of him shouting six flavor profiles at the you. And then he moves one... on to the other one. I know. Yeah. The other one last year was like embedded into the app. So like as you did your reviews and your notes, then you could link, then you could open the video. And it was these two men that like immediately commanded my respect and the videos were like a minute and 30 to two minutes long mm -hmm. and they were intelligent and not loud and there was no like channel or anything and it was dedicated to the one that you had like it was yeah it was much better and you could screenshot your thing to anyone you were sharing it with it was it was ideal i'm gonna i'm gonna send them some feedback yeah you should send them some, some feedback like if this is all it is yeah. i can i can buy this many ounces of pretty good whiskey for less than i spent on this yeah, I mean, and I can have a shot of it every night if I want. And I can call my friends and talk about it. Easier and more rewarding to engage with, but it was still the same whiskey, you know. So, like, my enjoyment of it isn't necessarily that I was like, I had like two of these dope ass whiskeys. Like, I don't even really right. remember any of them, but like, right. it was fun because I didn't hate listening to the people <laughs> talk about it, and they were analyzing the things in an intelligent way. podcast hosted by the comics place extraordinary trio of friends Django Jeff and Roman who beam to you live from Blorgon 7 uh with a comic book podcast about the importance comings and goings of what to you is a world of comic books but to us is the reality of Blorgon 7 so um as mentioned earlier I'm I'm, I'm Jeff hey but we must be from different places I'm Django and I always called it Blorgon 7 um, that's very, that, that is one of the deep intelligences that you have an ability to discern pronunciations. The letter G pretty good, pretty, pretty good at it. He's good at it. <laughs> and, and I'm Roman and, and I'm my, my dream someday is to immigrate to Borgon eight. Thank you. Yeah. We, we're trying to get to Borgon eight. Django, what are you sipping there? That's a fun looking can. This is a, uh, Stemma Brewing HBC 586 single hop. Wow. It's pretty good. Um, that's a, uh, that's a catchy name. Does HBC yeah, I would have, stand for? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, human, uh, human high blood on... content. So yeah, this is a comic book oh, podcast. Okay. And we're here to talk about the important comings and goings of the comic book world. Uh, the, it's December 10th at the time of recording this podcast, which means we are in that Christmas creep, my friends. We are seeing Santa Claus appear in comic books. Christmas themes are happening left and right. Django, how are you dealing with that? Christmas? Yeah, the oncoming Christmas and it permeating your comic sphere. It's, it's giving me hives, Jeff. Oh, no. Christmas is attacking me from all sides. Wow. Roman, Christmas, yay or nay? Uh, sure. I like being a Christmas creep. Look Wait, that was the question, was it? <laughs> he's soaking in Christmas like a Mormon at the university. Oh, that was, I've got, I've, that was fun. I've got my feet soaking in myrrh right now. In myrrh? <laughs> sure. Is it frankincense and? Yes. Oh, so many good comic <laughs> book things to talk about this week. But what I'm excited to address is that Django, or Jingy as we call him, getting Jingy with it, uh, <laughs> hated his comic books this week. And I want to base our episode around that theory. The hate? <laughs> not the hate, not necessarily, the, but I want to understand. three or four comics I just stopped reading before I Let's figure them. out which ones we both, <laughs> or all three of us liked, which ones... Okay we liked and you didn't which ones mm -hmm. i didn't like and you did and which ones we both didn't like okay i think i think that's a good game plan do you think this. so yeah yeah okay that is that is the perfect plan for this episode of our podcast well now that we've started this whole thing and we have sort of a mission and a plan i've yep. noticed my computer's not charging so i'm going to rectify that in a moment only mm -hmm. after we take this 
email question from our dear friend, Andrew Carlson, editor of the podcast. Thank you for doing that, Andrew. Hey, y'all. Got a bit of a music comic crossover email this week. That's very exciting for me. I've been stressed he sounds just like Jeff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been stressed lately and my brain has been tired, so comics aren't always my first go-to. Instead, I've been playing rock band because music just has a way of relaxing me and I struggle to play real instruments. Andrew, I don't struggle to play real instruments and I still play a ton of rock band and guitar here. It's one of my favorite things to do. Anyways, so firstly, as I've been playing, I found this song, Conventional Lover, that was made by a band that includes a member of the development team. As I was playing it, I paused and went, wait, did I hear that right? The lyrics are hilarious and a lot of fun, so I've linked the song for your enjoyment, whether it's mid or post podcast. Now, on to the question. When y'all are feeling similarly stressed and comics just aren't what your brain needs, where do you go next? A walk in nature, playing video games, building Lego? Maybe I just answered the question for some of y'all, but would love to hear. <laughs> Sending lots of love. Thoughts. P.S. Brian is my favorite Canadian comic book guy, despite many beliefs to the contrary. Though, as far as everyone in the world, he does have to compete with the likes of Michael Sarah, Brian Lee O'Malley, Ryan Reynolds, and Seth. So don't beat yourself up too much, Brian. That's some stiff competition. <laughs> stiff. <laughs> um, Seth who? You know, Seth, the author. Seth Organ. Oh, oh, the, the, the comic creator, yeah. Yeah. Oh, not Organ? Rogan? Not Seth Rollins? All right, guys. Seth Rogan. Is Seth Rollins. Rogan related to Joe, Joe Rogan? No. No. I think one's A-N and one's E-N. Joe okay. Borgon? Blorgon. What do you do outside of comics to bring soothe to the soul, to salve your your mental woes? I play pinball. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Legos. Those are, those are really like my two meditative things. Roman, what do you do outside of C- what sort of personal record you can set for gaping <laughs> the most the most soothing thing other than gaping yeah <laughs> a walk in the woods that's real nice i'd like to say bowling but I, I haven't been bowling in like a few years now so the idea of bowling is very soothing um for me it is playing music or video games right now i've been replaying halo and i just finished halo 3 yesterday halo 1 2 and 3 and now i'm going to start halo reach Maybe even this evening. Depends on Hello. if he's awake or not. Halo. You play guitar and, and stuff too, right? Like does that yeah. does that scratch that kind of itch? Yeah. Yeah, you? I said play music. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's my favorite one. That's my favorite one to do. Um, do you do, do you like to play drums? Uh I would love to play drums, but really? electronic drum kits have only have recently gotten relatively affordable and uh they the thing about drums is you have to be loud if you're learning to play them and i don't really like burdening people as as you probably know i know i've uh severely taken advantage of that (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you righteous dick you righteous dick i know he's not gonna call me before 10 but i would love to get an electronic drum kit now um i have like drum machines and midi pads to like program drums but um that's very different than playing the drums what a fun thing that would be Mm, hachi machi you guys comics (laughs) so i am gonna start my exploration into Django's psyche of things he liked and didn't like this week is this gonna be a jam or are you gonna try to no, I'm just, just gonna start. I'm just gonna start by feeling it out. We talked a tiny bit about Batman number one forty, Django. But mm. when you think about your memory of reading comics this week, where did that issue fall in the things uh, you liked this week or the things you didn't like that much this week? I would and say this. Issue... Don't have to stick to the word hated. Okay. Okay. Um, I would say this issue fell into the camp of issues I did not dislike. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Okay, that makes sense to me, Jango, because there are times where Batman is hanging out with the Batman of Dark Knight Returns, Zurinar, and it's drawn like Frank Miller, Dark Knight mm-hmm. Returns panel structure. And that's pretty cool and seems like a thing that you would like. Yeah, all the Zurinar characters are drawn really cool. Um, I I don't quite understand how Zurinar is like piggybacked from dimension to dimension, but fine, whatever. I'm they not like- going to fight it too much. They like went to dimension to dimension with like the Joker thing, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... like in order to get back from that alternate universe, Batman had to hop through and that's where he got his hand. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, I guess I just kind of pictured that like he sort of picked up fragments of that, you know, something. Yeah. It just seems like know. he had to do Thogel for 160 days or whatever. Yeah. 
to to gain the first Zurana. Yeah. And then without even realizing it, he accidentally picked up another 52. half a baker's dozen in here or whatever <laughs> when he when he yeah. went through, which totally fine. Like it's it's all squishy comics, but yeah, uh, the mechanics of it. Um, when I thought about it a little bit harder, I was like, ah, I'm going to have to let this be or I'm going to be mad about it. What I'm liking about this is I remember when that Batman, the night miniseries was coming out and I thought it was sort of interesting. It was coming out before his run was coming out and it was a prequel. And I remember mentioning that, like, I hope he introduces characters that somehow kind of then feed into his run because that seemed like one of the only logical reasons to do a prequel beforehand. Um, and we get that like lady that trained him that he had the like crush on in here. And in the previous issue, there was another like thing from it. So I, I like that. I like that he is sort of canonizing, canonizing sort of his Batman stuff and planting seeds to make them seem more relevant as they happen later on in the series. So those characters uh, appear in this and mean much more than just like, oh, yeah, you're this person that trained me all these years ago. Yeah, it's super interesting because that that series directly contradicted some things. I can't remember exactly what it was, but when when we were first reading it, we were like, oh, I wonder if this is in continuity. And then there are a couple of things where we're like, oh, definitely not. So, right. you know, it's it's doing that classic comic thing where it's constantly shifting things. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Roman, where are you at on this Batman tale with all the Zura and R's floating around? And if you'd like to take a moment and sit right there and tell us all how you feel about the coming of the Joker year one storyline. Um, I don't really have many feelings about it because I forgot that I was reading uh, the main Batman. Batman? Really? <laughs> yeah. Somehow <laughs> I, I, I mixed up with detective, which I'm not reading. And you know, there's so many Batman comics every week. I just look, glanced at the cover of the last few issues, I think, and thought, Oh, I'm not reading that. Tell me why you stopped reading detective. Um, I just wasn't interested in the story. I just yeah I I also too. stopped reading it yeah. yeah and the like the gap between issues felt particularly long and that I was having a harder and harder time grasping any of the story yeah yeah but I like the aesthetic and a lot of the stuff about it oh well yeah. Roman I would highly recommend this because there's some really good Joker stuff in my mind happening cool okay yeah and I forgot I, yeah I was reading that for a while Zdarsky and all that and I forget when it was a it was at least a couple issues ago um and. Django, you had voiced some feelings about the Joker year one story that recently was announced is going to be happening in issues like 142 to 144 of this Batman run by Chip Zdarsky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast. Um, I thought we talked about it on the podcast. But, okay, okay. But if, in case we didn't, like, I'm, I like that they're doing it in the main series. Um, it has three different artists, which I don't think is super cool. Like, there's something special about when a creative team has super tight control over something for sure. And I would rather see one artist and writer do the thing kind of like Batman year one. I'm also always skeptical about a Joker origin. Yeah. Um, and mechanically this is coming out weekly. It's going to be a hard, hard thing for us to nail down on ordering. Um, but you know, I like the idea of a three issue Joker focused story running through Batman, just like year one did. And yeah. like death and the family did like not everything needs to be um, a mini series. That's completely separate from everything else. It's a good take. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, all right, Django. So then I didn't uh, assign any scoring restrictions on myself this week. And I gave this Batman oh, book good. a 9.0. Uh, I, yeah, I could give it a 9.0, I guess. Wow. Okay. 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 I think my. It's, it's mostly for the Zurin awe of it, like the, the, the Dark Knight Returns parts of it. Like there's a, there's more than just that Zurin awe character design that is referencing it. Like the, the way there's something that Batman says to the Joker about how he's going to hurt him so that he can't feel or something. Um, that was that that was reminiscent of that and I, I like the cliffhanger too you're reading the backups for these right i am yeah okay good yeah good. um okay okay in my further exploration of things that you may or may not have read this week that i would be surprised if you didn't like did you read bloodrick number one did either of you read bloodrick number one from image comics didn't i should have but i didn't roman did you I certainly did. Of course I'm, he did. Roman could read the logo without the typeface underneath. <laughs> I'm not 
normally a swords and sorcery guy to the point where I don't even know why I check a lot of it out. Like Headlopper even sort of doesn't interest me too much, which seems strange to me. Um, read the Conans. This is very Conan-esque. It is written and drawn by Andrew Cronkey, and it follows a Conan-type person who is in the cold snow trying not to die. And I think this is fucking great. And I'll tell you why. The art is phenomenal. It has a very unique style, um, leans into you know, kind of disfigured anatomy at times or like kind of crazy angles. It's it's pretty uh, indulgent, but it's also gorgeous and the nature stuff is incredible. Um, but what I love is instead of it being like, hey, look at these big fights and these huge epic stories with these huge muscular men, this really like zooms in and decompresses the smaller moments. And this is truly just him trying to find food the whole time. And I love like the inner monologue and the kind of like desolate, lonely feeling that is throughout the narration. But then the art just accompanies that feeling so well. It's such like a, a wasteland. Uh, Roman, you're nodding like you enjoyed this book as well. So I'm curious, you know, what things you liked about it so I can further unpack myself. I, I did enjoy it. And, and you know, it's funny, I almost didn't read it. Um, but then I read the uh, the inside cover where the yeah, creator just talks about the, how long it's taken him to get this one issue out. And that hooked me. I was like, you know, I want to read this just because this guy has spent like a big chunk of his life trying to get here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it was cool. It was it was much different and better than I expected. Um, this is this guy's first comic, I think. Um, yeah. And, and the yeah, art's just, incredible. Just this barbarian, like, walking through the snow trying to find something to kill and eat um and it's just so interesting and there's something you know you don't know if it's because he's he's so freaking hungry or if he's got issues already but the whole thing with you know he just wastes all this time frozen trying waiting for this little bird as ptarmigan or whatever it is to walk out from behind a tree it's like dude <laughs> and he thinks that to himself that you know i could go find something more substantial to kill maybe instead of waiting for this damn bird but it was so cool just that the fact that the guy is you know whatever's wrong with him that he does that and then the bear attack at the end was amazing yeah there's like a backup story in it and that's the one about him hunting the bird and I, that's what i i think yeah. i even particularly liked more than the main story but yeah it's there's just it's like equal parts conan and uh um revenant or something yeah. revenant was excellent Yes, and this was as well. And the art is a like a like a really pencily version of Raphael Albuquerque with a little bit of the dude on um, Phantom Road, Peralta mm. or Waltz. Anyway, um, it's it's a really unique style, Django. I would highly recommend it for anybody who has liked Conan things because it's like you know Conan by way of like Daniel Warren Johnson or something. I I I really. I really liked it a lot, a lot, and I would give it a 9.0. Nice. That sounds awesome. I would give it a, gosh, at least an 8.5. I'll go with 8.5. Okay. Blood Rick. Django, tell me about something you read that you almost bailed out on or did bail out on. <clears throat> start well, start filling my mind with the bad stuff. Okay. I guess. Do you? Oh, I did. Is it an insulting guess about? Ooh, I want to. I want to hear what the Roman's guess is. Just a second. Don't say anything. Yeah. Well, I'm very curious how Django. And this isn't to derail what you're gonna say, Django. But because you hate Christmas, I was thinking. I, I really want to know how you feel about Batman Santa Claus Silent Night. Didn't finish it. Nice. <laughs> Let's talk about Batman Santa Claus Silent Night, the team up I we've all been waiting did. for. How far did you get, Django? Uh, let's see. I got to Zatanna. Like I, I tell you what, I I was like, Sean, was this good? He's like, it's Batman and Santa. I'll read it. And, and I was like, I'm not sure if I'll end up reading it. I don't know if I'll have time before the podcast. But then I finished my whole stack and this was left. And I was like, I'm going to read it. And I think it was better than I thought it was going to be for me. I, yeah, I flipped through it. Like, yeah, I don't I don't need to shit on something anybody else liked. Roman, uh, what did you think about Batman and Santa Claus hanging out? I was actually kind of excited when I saw it. It was one of the first books I read. <laughs> and? It, it was fun. It was a blast. And I'm 
I mean, I mean, what do you think? Is this Santa? I mean, I mean, he's pretty much the Grant Morrison, Dan Mora, uh, Santa from what was that series? Um, Klaus. Yeah, it's very similar to Klaus. that. Claus. Yeah. Klaus, yeah. Yeah. Dan Mora even did one of the variant covers for this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it certainly seems like that. Uh, pretty, pretty close to that Santa. Yeah, I liked the explanation for who the Santa was. I like that he and Batman have had encounters and he like shows up and Santa's or Batman's like, hey, Chris. And people are like, nah, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, and that he is really yeah. cool in it. Yeah, Blitzen's I, I, a total badass. I like the little just a cute little thing that made me laugh. I think it would make Django laugh is when uh, Santa meets people like he meets Dick Grayson. Oh, and he's like, Grayson. 1007 Mountain Drive. He just knows everybody's address. Everyone's at, I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's like when we were uh, doing deliveries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I know your driveway. And Django, the big villain, is going to be Krampus. Krampus. Yeah, I, so Krampus. I, I read the first few pages, and I was like, this isn't for me. And like, I'm, I don't hate all Christmas stuff, right? Yeah, like, I, I, I enjoyed the Klaus series I, mean, I think i read them all and, and like them all enough i think you approach christmas christmas with an open mind in general and i like almost all of the batman bullshit that they publish these days which is yeah. a lot yeah um but this one just didn't tickle me and then when i flipped through the rest and saw like a secret origin of santa and krampus being buddies and like i don't know i as as much as i'm definitely the guy who has hosted uh helped host Krampus crawls in town. I don't super like it when uh, other stories start using Krampus. It it feels a little twee to me. I get mm. that. Um, I'll also just mention, I think Zatanna was used really well in this issue and written really well. Sometimes nice. she can show up in a Batman story and it can feel a little bit like a chore. And I didn't feel like that, Roman. Yeah, she was. I was impressed. And even, even she has this cool cloak that's all kind of Christmassy and it totally works for her. Yeah, yeah. You I guys do... think she should be with Batman forever? Like a relationship? No. Yeah. No, I'm no. I'm pretty into the Batman Catwoman thing. Yeah. I I hope that those two really get together and stick together one of these days. Let I them get married. Zatanna and Batman would be healthy. Yeah, it'd be. She's probably too smart for him though. Certainly yeah. hot to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like she'd be kind of slumming it a little bit with Batman. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> my only complaint about this Krampus is he's he's too clean looking. Yeah, I agree. He's a little New Fifty Two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> New 52 Lobo Krampus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smooth. Is it so that he looks more like a man bat? I don't know. Are we gonna get are we gonna find out that the man bat serum is actually Krampus serum? They're not man bats, they're like a type of vampire type thing that is sort of tied to the Norse mythology that it was where Santa's showing up from. Did you lightly oh, flip right. through the same comic book that I lightly flipped through, Jeff? Yeah, that looks I thought like they Man were Bats bad. if I you're agree. not reading it. I agree. Uh, this was a book I thought <laughs> I'd give like a 6.5 or 7.2. Actually ended up at an 8. Nice. Wow, you did like comics this week, buddy. I did. I'd, I'd give it an 8. Hell yeah. God, just the cover. So, it's so good. It is. Yeah, the more cover's phenomenal. Um, okay. I'm going to give it an yeah. incomplete and also... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to give it an incomplete. <laughs> Did you see what they called it? Did you see what it's technically called? Silent Night? No. No, it's technically called Batman Dash Santa Claus. Like Batman minus Santa. Oh. Not, it's not and. It's not like like ampersand, like Lennon and McCartney. Yeah, I think it's like kind of like the Batman Dash or like backslash Superman. But it's no thinking. backslash. It's, it's, a, it's, di- a it's a it's a minus. Okay, it's here's Batman a book that I don't Santa understand Claus. how you could not have loved Transformers number three. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah, right? <laughs> Roman, did you read Transformers number three? Oh, yeah. This one's a 10 for me, fellas. Oh, all right. Well, as uh, Ashton mentioned, let me, let me come up with my score so we can move on. As Ashton mentioned, <laughs> uh, he can't think of a Transformers comic that has ever had like multiple moments of making his dr- jaw drop in mm-hmm. issues. <laughs> and very similar to that, there were multiple moments in the issue. This issue, I was just like stopped and was like, look at that. <clears throat> I love how brutal it is. Yeah. And did we just, is Sam or Spike, is Spike the same person who was in the movies? Yeah. Well, I think Spike was his dad or maybe that was his nickname, but he was Sam Sam Witwicky. Yeah. I can't remember. I'm not a fan of the Michael Bay Transformers movies. So is that a character from the comics also? Was there a Sam or or a Spike? Well, Spike was from the original cartoon show. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and 
I think I remember from the Marvel comics that that and his character son was, was Daniel. The, yeah, the son of the mechanic was in the comics. Okay, so the cool uh, retcon here that I I wasn't aware of is that his dad is a GI Joe. Yeah, it seems like he's that, Duke, right? right? No, oh, or I don't no, think he's, he's Duke. Duke. His nickname he... is Sparky, but I don't know. Okay, okay. God, I'm so fucking bad at Transformers and GI Joe. You guys, I'm still a <laughs> still a little Transformers baby um, somehow. This has some of the coolest art in comics of the week for sure. Probably my favorite art of the week. Um, I think Transformers, especially G1 Transformers, these original ones are like the coolest looking things in the world. And he clearly does as well. And to have his style of art adapting these is so awesome. And his love of wrestling is in there um, with these, the way these Transformers fight that he like draws them mid transformation, their voices sound to me just like their voices in the cartoon show. Like I'm reading it and hearing like sound wave. Uh, And then there's like these wonderful DWJ emotional beats in here. Like when he stepped on the deer and issue two and the way that it Mm -hmm. harkens back to this, when a human dies, I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. And like the transformations are so grotesque. Like on that last page, when Optimus is, is turning into a truck, just like his head's back, like everything is out of whack and, and horrible. He like, he's, he's snapping the, the shutter at the most awkward moment for the transformations. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like everybody's blinking in that picture. And the, the dude, the scene where Optimus uses his arm. He tears his own arm off (laughs) and then beats somebody (laughs) with it. I would watch wrestling if people tore their own arms off and beat people with them. <laughs> Roman, where are you at in this, my fallen Transformer oh, friend? Same as you guys. Yeah, I I love that. And it was such a great build up to that scene because oh, who's who's the guy Optimus is fighting in this? Um, um, the, it's the not. Decepticon? It's, yeah, I, uh, let me double check his name. I forget. It's just the it's same as Starscream, yeah, but, but with different colors. Oh, that guy's so so nasty. But yeah, he messes up optimus's arm leading up to that page Skywarp. Skywarp? starscream is the one that he looks oh, you're right. like but with different colors starscream is my favorite mm, okay yeah Skywarp. yeah and before that when optimus like i don't know if this ever happened on the cartoon show but when he uses a ramp and catches air in his his semi-rig form i mean <laughs> that was awesome i don't know I dude mean, how fast do you like, have to be going to, to catch air as a semi and to like the shot, just the double page spread of him in his car, like getting Skywarp in the gut is mm-hmm. it's amazing. I just started to get nervous in this. I was like, I can't remember if this is four or five issues. I, w- I know it's not six, which is a bummer to me. I was like, I'm, please, oh. like, I'm already afraid that this like that this is going to end. I think it's five. Right. I okay. thought, it, yeah, I, I thought it was ongoing. I did. Man, no, <laughs> it's a mini. I don't think uh, he can do an ongoing like his career is just too blowing up right now. I don't think he could write and draw an ongoing and like limit himself that much. Uh, it's too be interesting to see what they do with it next. Right. Like, I know. Do they give it to yeah, I mean, it's Scrochy or do they? I hope you know, they give it to somebody. Williamson and Dan Mora loves it like this, but. Yeah, Williamson's doing Duke and Cobra Commander. Uh, did you guys read the Cobra Commander backup? Yes, I don't remember. A little preview. Sorry, it's not a backup. It's a preview. Uh, I love it. The art reminds me of Rob Gilroy and Chu. Mm-hmm. It seems like brutal and dark. I'm I'm very here for it. Andrea Milani is not somebody I'm familiar with, but I really like their art in this, and it looks it looks brutal. I'm really excited. For it. <laughs> it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Man, if I was a mass murderer, I would need a logo to leave at the crime scenes like this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would you, agree. You'll know if I start killing because there'll be like uh, a logo that's like pretty good, but not great. And, and uh, I'll be the first person that goes. That'll be. Well, yeah. Man. So maybe you won't know that it's me. Yeah. The listeners will, though. Yeah. <laughs> Dear listeners. Uh, OK, 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 OK. Well, Avenge well, my death. What's one you liked this week a lot that I haven't guessed yet? Well, but I gotta, I gotta give this one. A oh, score. I'm sorry, little and I think Roman yeah, does do too, too, right? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, Jeff gave too. it a ten. Sorry, you, you just gave yours before I was ready to make a decision. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna give it a nine because, because of what Ashton said. Like, I don't usually, I'm not usually a jog at a comic book, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what do you, what do you jot, Roman? 
Uh, God, if, if I may, Jeff, I'm going to give it a 10 also. Oh, um, you can, of course. And, and I have one question on the cover. On the a, I think it's the A cover. Um, Optimus is fighting. Soundwave. St- star, sound, scream, fall. Soundwave, yeah. Um, two of them. But he's also fighting a third one. There's a Decepticon that's a, that's a like ger- German Shepherd. All three of those are the cassette tapes that live inside Soundwave. That guy. Oh, because he's oh, the, okay. the Walkman or the sound system. Yeah. Um, and the dog is maybe Ravage. Let's see. Skywarp. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, Laserbeak is the bird. There's the little guy. I forget the dog. And there's a fourth one, too, who might just be another uh, person. I love the name Laserbeak. That is such a... It's really good. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, let me, let me look it up. I guess that was my only disappointment is the, the dog one doesn't show up in this issue. Because I saw true. him on the cover. It's like, oh, cool. I'm going to see this dog. This trans, this Decepticon dog. It is Ravage, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. We've Not all given our scores. Yes. Yeah, you want you want another one that I liked? Yeah. Our Bones Dust Number One by Ben Ooh. Steinbeck with Dave Stewart and Russ Wooten. Did you? Did I you didn't read, that? read oh. that. I know Jeff Darrow's no. got a cover for number two though. Did you read so it? So you didn't either, Roman? Okay. No, I, I don't even remember oh. that title. Django, thanks Man. for getting into the coal mines with us. Yeah, I know the yeah. cover. Yeah, t- what was this even about? It's it's about like a post-apocalyptic wasteland um, and like humans are in a really bad spot and okay. they're like killing each other for water. And it's like Mad Max, but with more brutality, um, everything sucks and everybody's starving. But then at the same time, there are these aliens down on the planet documenting humans. Oh, like, I like using... the art a lot. Yeah, dude, the art's amazing. They're it's using like Seth Fisher their brain power to dissect uh, archaeological things, which might just be city buildings. And so there's one of these crazy, tall, weird shaped aliens that is um, like Hmm. staying down on the planet a little bit longer to try to find people. And he's kind of in trouble for, for sticking around too long. And um, like, it's, it's this curious alien finding ultra violence in, in sort of a Mad Max walking dead world wow Um, and the art's great the visual storytelling is is fabulous the colors are kind of monochromatic and gorgeous like yeah i don't i don't know ben steinbeck but this is a good goddamn comic and i would give it a nine and a half hell yeah dude at and maybe it deserves a 10 like i don't i can't think of a reason not to give it a 10 other than that i'm stingy yeah well listen we don't give out those gooey ducks like roman okay we're not fucking old shanty sea fishermen who've been collecting gooey ducks our entire life and have a huge amount of them to just throw away salty salty gooey ducks uh according Uh, to the tags in our system this is all that ben steinbeck's done they're not perfect but newish creator on the scene that's cool. We've had some really cool, exciting mm. newish creators come out in the last year and a half. Yeah, it it's the art is more rational than Matt Lesniewski, but parts of it gave me that same feeling. Yeah. Just yeah. like, holy shit, this is this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, hey, let's let's go around the triangle and each talk about a book that we read that doesn't need a huge long discussion. I'm gonna go first. Uh and anybody jump in as well. But um, I just want to give a shout out to Sacrificers number five. Mm-hmm. This was my other like final book. It was above a, a nine or above. Um, not a ton new to report. The art it continues to be gorgeous. But by like through issue one and two, I was pretty skeptical of this series because of this sort of large, grand kind of pantheon of God whole um, genre type thing it was in. But it's really zeroed in on characters and themes that are hugely identifiable and don't feel nearly as foreign as that whole cast of characters seems in the first couple of issues. Mm-hmm. And in like Rick Remender fashion, there's just a couple times in here where he just like kind of goes for your emotional jugular. Like at one point he kills this god child's pet. And it's just really brutal. And I made a sound (laughs) out loud. I was like, oh, Um, he's just managed to make me care a lot about these characters in this pretty like shitty situation. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very in at this point for what is coming now that I kind of have a feel for what it is. So for me, it's a nine. Yeah, I really liked it, too. And it's 
I like that it's not what it sort of set us up to think it was. I agree. And I don't even know for sure what it is. Cause like at this point we spend a lot of time with a new character and it's a and very then different. They're kind of one of the, one of the characters is just taken away from us really quickly. And it, like, I, I respect that he's able and willing to kill characters so quickly on this. Um, Cause you don't always get uh, like as much setup as we did for those kids who are killed in issue two or three or whatever. This character's had two or three issues, and and now it seems like they're gone too. Yeah, it really seems to be like Reminder working out his general contempt for people in power and like the one percent mm-hmm. and how horrible they are, and it's geared towards like making us hate them and them getting what they deserve and stuff. So, uh, relatable. What was it's, your score for it? I give it a nine. Yeah. Yeah. What What did you say? A nine? Yeah, that gives us um, an average of a nine. You're right. This is literally the story of adrenochrome on another planet yeah it is where they're uh, like boiling down children for youngening serum yeah you're right QAnon stuff did you read did you read this roman uh, i did not no nah. well <laughs> right, roman man. what are you up on about now um one that i don't really need to say a lot about but i liked a lot was um the hellboy winter special hell yeah the, the yule cat um hellboy's in iceland and this story i mean it starts off with these birds hanging out on that famous statue in iceland i can't remember who it's of um you know in front of that big tall pointy church looking building um and these birds are just having a little confab uh so it's it's all steeped in icelandic mythology and the yule hellboy ends up fighting this yule cat and some nasty snow ghouls or something um and it's all dark and at night and in the frozen Icelandic waste and it's snowy and it's creepy and it's just neat. And then he fights a giant demon cat. I read it as well. Um, Django and I were talking earlier in the week and I was kind of bemoaning like, yeah, I haven't really gotten into the Christmas mood quite a bit this year. And then I mentioned, except that Hellboy winter special came out <laughs> and I started this and for some reason, like these are probably my favorite of the returning yearly Christmas things that comes out. And yeah. they've been I just we've been reading them every year since the first one I remember was that Adam Hughes one that we recorded the podcast at Jay's house about. Uh, oh. And that it was phenomenal. Krampus knocked. And so, yeah, I just really this is something that really kind of gets me in the Christmas spirit uh, out of nowhere. And matt smith did the story and the art and i think he i'm not sure how much hellboy stuff he's doing because i don't read all of it but this feels like it really channels the mignola stuff really well yeah yeah it does i had to is that the dr smith dr who smith it uh, is, yeah. that's his name but i yeah. don't think it's the same guy or else he's very talented <laughs> and i feel very small um roman i gave this one an 8.5 what did you give it I'll give it 8.5 hell yeah we're in lockstep this week yeah. Django, what's something you want to highlight? Um, let's see here. I really liked reading Fantastic Four. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fantastic Four number 14. This was a um, great issue. Yeah. So like I read three or four comics right out of the gate that I did not have fun with, and I gave it a day, and then I read this and I was like, okay, I still kind of like comics. They're not all <laughs> hard to read and hard to enjoy. And the thing has a neck. Is it a different artist? It's a different artist. It's a different artist. And he's got a thick ass neck. So it's not in the story. So it's not a retcon. It's like an artistic choice that the person is making off script. Fine with me. Yeah. Um, so this one, this one is about uh like the Fantastic Four is back in New York, ready for their kids to come back. Like we've seen a year of time pass since the horrible thing happened in New York where they got rid of everybody's kids. And they go to their building and there's people working there to build something and they're all just using an app to to be told how to do things so they go and try to find out what's going on with the app and it turns out that it's like this rich kind of genius maybe like probably bad guy who's trying to collect huge data sets in order to affect the world and uh that that appealed to me quite a bit hell yeah um, and it it has more of that like just horrific Reed Richards body stretching stuff where like he's sending his eyeball and meat from around his eye around his head to look at things and splitting his fingers into extra hands on his like super gross, awesome stuff. Um, And then we have a great cliffhanger just, just like the 14th 
awesome issue of Fantastic Four in a row. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's one of those books that like it's so much fun to be reading that I don't even notice how text heavy it is while reading it because mm-hmm. this is a very there's a lot going on in this comic word wise. And yeah, I love the distinction with like, you know, not being able to time travel, but being able to have enough data to be able to reliably predict probabilities of things and therefore changing things to maximize the probabilities of what you want to happen is, you know, we, I do that on a micro scale every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do as well. So I, I love the way that they, they sort of compared that to time travel. He even name drops the Isaac Asimov um, uh, psycho history, which is from the foundation story. Yeah. Which is an amazing show that you should all watch. I have the, all of the books right behind me. Oh yeah, there they are. Sitting right there. Big, big fan of uh, those books. No, but I was going through my dad's books recently, and they're <laughs> all in there. Did you read this one, Roman? Wow. Yeah, and I'm and yeah, I'm really impressed with Ryan North and how he's able to do these stories that are so different from anything else we've seen in comics. At least anything I've read. I can't think of any other villains that are like this guy and using. You know, they've had other like arcade prob- probability type mm-hmm. guys. But it's mm-hmm. never been explained so in depth and so well, and uh, I assume realistically, um, it's it's very cool. And and yeah, great cliffhanger. I mean, it's you know the kind of thing you would expect. Um, yeah. And it's funny that I didn't notice that. Yeah, the thing does have a neck, but he does. Yeah. So like almost like drawn in response to it. It's like a very strong <laughs> neck. Yeah. Do you think um, this guy, this this billionaire, or whatever he is, tech guy? Uh, see amalgamation of any real life tech people or Django, did he immediately feel like musky or no he just felt like a like a rich butthole to me yeah like a like his, mark he's, russell he's, character yeah totally i mean he's got some uh some tony stark in him for sure yeah yeah um yeah i i give it a 9.25 i i went 8.5 i'll give it a solid nine nice Hey, Roman, you had mentioned kind of coming to terms with some general excitement about the Amazing Spider-Man Gang War event because of your love for 70s superhero villains that are like New York street level ones. I'm Mm -hmm. curious um, how the first issue of Gang War by Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr. rubbed you, tickled you, your fancy. Um, Was this the first full issue of the Gang War? Because I thought we had something last week. We had First Strike, yeah, which was, I guess, technically it's sort of (laughs) kicking off. But this was, yeah, yeah, the first, like, issue of it in Amazing Spider-Man. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, it's very goofy that, like, the Ringmaster is one of the guys, like, vying for territory because it's like, wow, where'd the Ringmaster come from? Why is he involved here? Um, But they use him well. Uh, good dialogue, you know, the good action. I'm actually, I am enjoying this more than I thought I would. I mean, it's cool seeing Hammerhead and, and the old guys. Oh, oh God. I just stumbled into one panel where, um, oh geez. Uh, I just want to call her dumb bunny, which is a rabbit themed character from white DC. rabbit, white rabbit. Yeah. Or white rabbit. <laughs> she's cra- cracking through a door and she says, neither the lepus mother. Then there's an explosion. It's like, ah, oh, that's referencing a bad 70s movie about <laughs> giant mutated bunnies <laughs> i uh. <laughs> i liked it quite a bit myself uh, and i would not expect myself to because i don't have much of an affinity for these characters but i again love the john Romita jr art but what i think it is a testament to is the storytelling and the kind of classic marvel style which Django's talked about of that sort of like a b and c plot so like this having been boiling in the background and all of these characters kind of having arcs throughout this 39 issue run to be at a point where like, yeah, like I actually am interested in Robbie Robertson and the Beatles relationship and sort of like her precarious positioning with her, you know, the relationship to the gang world and and him. Uh, and yeah, what did I make? No, it made me chuckle because it- Robbie Robertson and the Beatles for a second. I thought, wait, you mean the musicians? Yeah. <laughs> Robbie Robertson, the musician. Yeah. All right, Pete. Um, so yeah, uh, it's just like, it's all been kind of simmering so that by the time it comes here, it feels good to be reading it. It's simmering. So when it comes, it feels good. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, family podcast guys. Yeah. Welcome to our family, family comic book podcast. That's what I was saying. So um, uh, yeah. Roman, I gave this a one an 8.5, and I would love to hear anything else you have to say about it. Um, I give it an 8, and boy, I sure, because Hammerhead is such a, like, you know, the Ever G. Robinson character of the Marvel Universe, um, he is just 
he's brutally taken out in this, and I just, I yeah. just hope, I just hope he's not dead. I don't want to lose Hammerhead. We're not story. losing anybody. Or the Marvel Universe. We're not losing anybody. Good. Um, Django, did you have any more pit stops for us before yeah. we finally blow into another town? Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to see if you guys read uh, Titans Beast World Waller Rising. No. No. All right. Um, <laughs> did you? If you have uh, emails for us, you can send them to Jeff at thecomicsplace.com. <laughs> <laughs> That was a fun little bit, Django. <laughs> I liked that. Oh, and how was Metropolis tour? Metropolis tour. You should uh, review us on your podcast feed of your. Of it choice. worked even a second time. It was still funny a second time, dude. Roman, how was Thunderbolts? What was that about? I think every Thunderbolts series can be different. I see you have a copy there. Is it a Thor comic? No, Thunderbolts, the new series with uh, the Winter Soldier leading the Thunderbolts, written by Kelly and Lansing. Two oh. guys are usually pretty good. Um, this was all right. This was, uh, it's, you know, the team Bucky Winter Soldier has formed a team after the events of that Captain America storyline where he was involved with that secret cabal that was really running the world. Um, so Sharon Carter and the Red Guardian and some other folks are involved in this new Thunderbolts team. And they go after the Red Skull because Winter Soldier's like, you know, we got to like kill the Red Skull. Finally, just yeah. get rid of this guy, even though he's been killed before and come back. But let's kill him again and hopefully he won't come back. And that was actually pretty fun, them fighting the Red Skull, because it's cool seeing the Red Skull again. And he's classic Red Skull. I mean, it's still Alexander Luke in his body, but the Skull took it over. And, and uh, there's some pretty intense stuff here. Ooh. Ooh. What would you give it? Oh, a good cliffhanger with, I don't know, I don't know who that is. Um, I would give it, I would give it a 7.5. It would have been higher, but I'm not a huge fan of the art. You know, it's mm. it's okay, but I wish it was better. It uh, doesn't doesn't work to like clear up our feelings on that writing duo, you know. Well, As I like a... La- I like Lanzan and Kelly a lot. Um, oh, is that yeah? That's who they are, right? Yeah, but it's yeah, not I a usually great enjoy book. their stuff. Oh well, like I said, I it, it, I give it an eight for sure if, it, yeah. if the art was different. Yeah, yeah. But I'm more interested in it than I thought I would be. Uh, I I figured another Thunderbolts team. Who cares? Yeah, because isn't uh, the Marvel? I mean, isn't the New York Thunderbolts team still around? I don't know. That's a good question. Hey, Django, did you yeah. have any other books you wanted to mention before we get out of here? I've got no other books that I want to mention. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, the nasty's still good, but nice. uh, it's not revolutionary or anything. Does that feel like it's coming to an end or seems like an ongoing? Uh, I think it's, I don't think it's an ongoing. I don't think so. Yeah. I wouldn't, I, I guess I predicted it was going to be short, but I'm about an yeah. issue or two behind. I thought that was a limited it's it's issue five and it feels like maybe there's one more issue okay okay i, w- I would believe one more issue that one's surprising too because it's it's john lee's adam cahoon like those guys aren't on my radar at all but they're no. writing a very competent comic um yeah you know vault vault just kind of tends to find interesting creators a lot of times i agree i agree yeah um so yeah i don't i don't have any other comics to talk about cool well you got anything else to anything else before we get out of here then jane we got that project we're working on with Brian Garside. Introduce that for us. Uh, so you and me and Brian are working on a, a new podcast called Data Bros. And uh, I don't think you've heard this thing I'm about to play. Oh, no. Uh, Brian has been on uh, on on a tear making making a promo for this thing. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to play it here. Ready? I'm ready. Are you, yeah, yeah, are yeah. you ready? I'm okay. ready. Generative AI Data Bros intro test take one. In a world where all data was wrong. No, that's that's wrong. When everything you know is wrong. No, not everything, just like some of the data. When everything you know about some of the data is wrong. No, no, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> when you can't trust anything the meatbags tell you. Oh, this is getting dark. When the data you get isn't good and it makes you go bad. No, like, we're not going bad. <laughs> One man. It, okay, it's not just me. Two men. More. Three men. It's not just men. A group of individuals. I mean, you're closer. A gathering of meat in human skin suits. I think that's <laughs> almost offensive. Joining together in a fight against the forces of darkness. Dude, it's just comic data. Joining together just to argue about comic data. Well, now you're making it sound petty. A force for evil. Oh, we're not evil. A force for good. I don't know if that makes it any better. (laughs) A podcast about (laughs) comics data created for the comics industry in the hopes of making a brighter tomorrow. Holy crap, I think you just nailed it. Created by fragile flesh bags who think they are smarter than they really are. And you ruined it. That's it, I'm done. This test is a failure. 
I'm just going to record me saying data bros podcast coming soon to a podcast app near you visit databrosinc.com for more details. That's simple. I don't even know what Django is on with all this generative AI. It's terrible. <laughs> Did you guys lock down data? I'm still now? here. Oh, and I'm not going anywhere. Oh no. See you soon. Meat bag. Oh God. I love his voice. Coming to you from secret bunkers all over North America, these brave men and women fight a battle for truth, justice, and good, clean data. These agents of change make up the Bureau of Records, Objects, and Statistics. They are the Data Bros. I think that's it. I don't know if he, maybe he has another joke at the end there. Bros beat Bureau Records and Statistics. Bureau of Records, Objects, and Statistics. Although oh. we realize that it should be standards. So I think the next the next iteration is going to be Bureau of Records, Objects, and Standards. I like it. I like objects it. is like a code thing where you, you yeah, yeah, package yeah. information into an yeah. object. Yeah. yeah. Um. So look for that in the future. Yeah, we'll oh, probably throw the silly. throw the first episode in our feed. Maybe even just throw that in our feed all by itself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what we should probably discuss? What's that? Are we doing an episode next week? Are we taking oh, the next two weeks off? Oh, it's Christmas. We probably should. That's safe. <laughs> we should we... take the next three weeks off, Jeff and Roman. Three weeks off? Well, I mean that sounds New Year's too. Uh let's do one more and then let's start taking them off. Okay, let's do that. Because, yeah, three weeks sounds like too too much time off. Three weeks does sound like too much. I agree. Okay. But yeah, right, we'll, cool. do, we'll do one more episode and then uh, take Christmas and New Year's weeks off. And in hopefully no case, good comics come out in that time span. We'll be safe. In that case, we'll see you all next week. <laughs> and then you'll have a drought. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm Jeff. I'm, Dan- I'm Dango. I'm Roman. <laughs> <laughs>